It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes. I got to read a couple of these text messages here. Where is this one? No, no, here we go. LT says, the love for Donald Trump is about making yourself feel better and not helping anybody else. LT, I don't know if we can even explain it. There is, there is an emotional connection to him. And in this nation... If there's a a leader, a political leader, some it could be like a pastor. If they tell us what we want to hear, if they tell us things that speak to our situations, if they tell us things that make us feel good or make us feel less bad about who we are, even if we have extreme views, if there's someone who is prominent, someone who is famous, someone who is notorious that feels the way we do or reaffirms how we feel about ourselves, we lose our common sense. I saw some of that with the pastor of Evolve Church. When a woman comes forward and talks about something I've witnessed, a pastor manipulating vulnerable women. Like y'all know how sinister men can be. It's crazy because women always warn each other about men. Oh, you got to watch out for men. Men are dangerous. Men are sneaky. Right? Men are, are tricky. And y'all know that about us. But for some reason, if they use God, then all of your common sense about men goes out of the window. Same thing with leaders and political figures. We know that there is something unnatural and unhealthy about people being in love with a political leader in this country. In America, we really don't like anybody, let alone one person that thinks they are king or dictator. But Donald Trump tells these people something. Like he informs them about something. He makes them feel some kind of way about their antiquated, extreme, bigoted views. He's like, I'm right there with you. That's how I feel, too. And so what they do is they eschew their common sense and they trade it for support for him. And then their consumerism follows. I don't care how many T-shirts and hats Joe Biden got for sale. I'm not going to Joe Biden hats and T-shirts.com and buying a Joe Biden hat and a T-shirt. I would be nuts. Now, I'm going to vote for him. But you think I would wear his shirt or his hat? I would look like a damn fool. That's the other thing about these people. They don't care how they look. They want to display their overwhelming, doting, affectionate, almost romantic love for this man. Like They want to take their money, which they don't have a lot of. Rich people don't buy Donald Trump memorabilia. It's only poor people. And if somebody wealthy is wearing a Donald Trump hat, it's because it's a joke or they're at a rally. Even wealthy people that do support Donald Trump, and there's a lot of business owners, corporate leaders, Fortune 500 CEOs, they love Trump. They'll even endorse him. They ain't wearing his hat. That's for poor people. Now, you want to make yourself look poor, wear a Trump hat. Well, I, I sure do love my President Trump. Yeah, I had the choice, buy this Trump T-shirt, this Trump bumper sticker, this Trump flag, this Trump hat, or get myself a new set of front teeth. I decided on a Trump memorabilia. What's this one say? 
That's why people are so emotionally invested in him. If there's no one to make these poor white trash people feel better about themselves, then who will? That's got something to do with it. But it's also the same phenomenon. How did penniless, landless white peasants fight on behalf of wealthy plantation owners so that plantation owners could maintain their right to own slaves? If America could get itself together and get its act right and you told the story of slavery, of how it created a permanent poor white underclass in this nation, y'all would feel different about slavery, the Confederate flag and Confederate monuments. White people were not getting hired in mass in the South because plantation owners could buy black people for all labors. Meaning if I could buy a human being and they can perform all of the labors that the town needs, that my plantation needs, I'm not going to pay a white person a wage to do the same job. Do you understand that? Economically, slavery hurt white people. It probably hurt more white people. Because if there's a plantation, a large one that has 500 slaves, maybe they hire 15 overseers. Maybe they hire 50. Maybe they hire 20. 500 slaves, 15, maybe 20 overseers. If there was no slavery, then the plantation owner would have to hire 500 people and none of them would be black. Do you understand how that works? Where there would be 500 white people employed on that plantation, planting the cotton, picking the cotton, tilling the fields, fixing the barn, uh, fixing the big house, paving the roads, shoeing the horses, fixing the windows. You know what I mean? Like doing all of those different trades. But if you own the, the slaves, you're not hiring and paying a wage to the white people. So you're taking money out of their pocket. So the longer slavery persisted, the more white Southerners did not have jobs. I would argue economically. Now, black people are still suffering some disparity as well from slavery, residual bigotry, racism, old antiquated laws that are part of the institutions here of the United States. But there has been a poor underclass of white folks in the South since the 1600s. Because why would they get hired? Now they get hired to, you know, be slave catchers, but you're never going to have more or as many slave catchers or overseers as you actually have labor force. And the fact that there is still a class of people, now that's indoctrination, that they are still in love with their masters who had just as much influence over their poverty now as plantation owners did back then. But it's still that same cohort of very easily manipulated. It's sad because they don't know what's being done to them, because when you are poor and you are vulnerable, you'll listen to anything. Anybody that comes along and, and like explains and articulates how you feel. You'll you'll give them everything. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. A pseudo billionaire that sells cheap merchandise and poor people buy it to show that they support a billionaire that cares literally nothing about them. If Trump cared about them, he'd give them health care. <laughs> right? <laughs> if he cared about them, like that's what he would do. He doesn't care. Donald Trump is running for president to evade prosecution and to be president for the rest of his life so he can continue to grift the American people. That's it. It has nothing to do with you. And I love how people, like, they'll make up a fantasy about how, oh, Trump, when he gets in, uh, something, something, gas prices. Oh, when Trump gets in, we're still going to have gas-powered cars. Just listen to the fairy tales that people tell themselves. And it's not even just about their support for him. People will make up a fairy tale whenever they're in, abu in an abusive situation. 
but but they still love me. And that's why they do these things. No, they're just they don't know how to show their love. Like we will take our anxiety and our fear and like morph it and change it around to something that is suitable to explain why we act like fools. It is human psychology one on one. You have a cohort of Americans who basically have been abused by the system. They have been taken advantage of. They haven't been offered health care. Their jobs, if they get them, are low wage. Their schools aren't invested in. Their infrastructure is poor and breaking down. But for some reason, they are still in love with the person who won't fix any of that, but tells them how much they hate Mexicans, too. It's amazing how, you know, people are essentially dying. Because of lack of investment in them, lack of investment in their community, in their infrastructure. But if you hate Mexicans, that's actually okay with me. Bob, you need to stay on the topic now. Yeah, this president. Uh, how, how you doing, uh, Cheryl? This, this 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 president of ours, he got a whole lot on his hands. You know, uh, there was one question that you didn't. You tipped over it, and you didn't follow through with it when you interviewed that state representative. And, you know, it's true about Trump, but it's one big question that I need to ask. He needs to articulate in a positive way, and there's hardly no way to, to interact positively, but he needs to try. Gaza. There's almost 30,000 people that died and 70% or 60% or 70% were women and children. He just needed to articulate how, you know, he should. You tipped on it because, you know, there was a vote a couple of days ago. And, uh, you know, he didn't. They, it's a lot of Palestinians in this country. And it needs to be articulated. That worries me like a third party a little bit. And the people that, you know, go for Trump, to me, they want a, ra- a race right. And it ain't happening. You know, I mean, it's, it's two logical reasons why you shouldn't vote for Trump. And they just want a race right, black and white. But may I say a lot of blacks, not all of them. Not all whites, but most of them. They just want a race ride. You know, and, uh, and I, I believe that Democrats lean with big business and companies because wherever you go, what do they do? Take money out of your check for taxes, and they do it, they, they, they use it for. Ukraine, they use it for the border. You don't have no say in what they use it for. And that's, to me, why they lean towards corporate. I don't know if Biden raised these corporations' taxes or not. We do have a say-so over where they spend our tax dollars, but Americans are so bad at budgeting, we don't understand the process. When you vote for members of Congress, U.S. senators, and members of the House of Representatives, you are voting for people based upon their spending priorities. So the taxes are taken, absolutely. So that's guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution that you will be paying an income tax. 
but we get to vote for the people that will spend that money. But because Americans don't really understand budgets, we don't see that when we vote for members of Congress, we are voting on people who are spending our money that they get to take constitutionally. That's basically how that that's how that works out, Bob. That's how that works. I'm going to listen to you. Go ahead. I'll talk to you. I'm listening. (laughs) The other thing is Americans don't care how many people were killed in the Middle East. We've been hearing about war in the Middle East for the last 80 years. In fact, if the options were this, hey, Americans, you got two options. We we end the war in the Middle East or we continue allowing the war in the Middle East to take place with no American intervention. And we give everybody two thousand dollars stimulus checks. We would take the stimulus checks and not and turn a blind eye to what is happening in the Middle East. Americans don't care about that. Now, Palestinian Americans care about that, but they also know this. And one of my dearest friends on the planet is a Palestinian, him and his brother. I consider them like family. They know that if Trump gets elected, it will be worse because of the overwhelming affection that Donald Trump has for Benjamin Netanyahu. If Trump gets back in office, Palestinians will be wiped out. At least Joe Biden is trying to apply some pressure on Benjamin Netanyahu. Donald Trump would be like, do whatever you want to those people. We will turn a blind eye. That is why when Trump was in office, they moved the capital of Israel to Jerusalem, which is something that no one ever should have done. Donald Trump was sim- symbolizing to Benjamin Netanyahu, do whatever you want. You want to kill babies? Kill them. You want to bomb hospitals? Kill them. So the Palestinian Americans, they know that. The only reason why they voted uncommitted in the Michigan primary for Joe Biden is to let Joe Biden know that they are overwhelmingly concerned as Palestinian Americans. But they know. That if Trump gets reelected, Palestinians are going to get wiped out completely. They're very savvy people. A lot of Palestinian Americans are more politically astute than most Americans are. So they know exactly what's going on. They're just trying to pressure Biden into doing a ceasefire. And hopefully the ceasefire holds. And hopefully Biden also gets reelected. Because if Trump gets reelected, there will be no more Gaza. That will be a completely Jewish state with no interference from anybody. And dare anybody to tell Israel that they have to allow other people in because Israel, at the end of the day, is a nuclear power. We're talking about a country the size of Chicago, Illinois, that has nuclear weapons. Makes zero sense. But and that concludes the foreign policy conversation on the truth for sure. When he was Bob, I hope I answered your questions. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'll listen more. Yes, sir. I'll talk to you. All right, Bob. Thank you. Y'all don't care. They don't. No, but Bob is right, though. There's an estimate of 30,000 people dead, the overwhelming majority of them Palestinians, the overwhelming majority of those Palestinians are children. That is an estimate. It's tens of thousands of people that they're just missing. They estimate it's at least 10,000 bodies unaccounted for because they're buried under rubble. So it's way more than that. But Americans don't care when other people get killed. And to address the ridiculous fallacy that People want a a race riot. No, that's not how it works anymore. So in America, because we're segregated, so let's say there's a bunch of racist white people that want to shoot and get a bunch of guns and then shoot a bunch of black people. There was a period of time where they could actually do that because African-Americans were either, our populations were lower and we were unarmed, right? So they could go into like Tulsa and just destroy a whole bunch of 
black property and kill a whole bunch of black people because we couldn't mount that much of a defense. Okay. But you got to think about this now. Where black people live, it's hyper concentrated, right? So if some white folks from Waukesha want to come and kill all the black folks, they would have to come to the north side of Milwaukee where they would be so overwhelmingly outnumbered they wouldn't dare cross over into the north side of Milwaukee because the black population is so robust that they would be outnumbered if they go into the places where black people are concentrated. You see what I mean? So you can't go into the enclaves in which the overwhelming majority of black people live and think you're going to come out alive. So no, that's not ever going to happen because where they would have to travel to and commute to, to have a negative violent impact on the black community would not be worth it for them. You know what I mean? So no, that's not, but there's other ways in which you can impact black people. What they do is they kill us when we're isolated. Like, they're not trying to have large groups of African-Americans. Plus, they know how many guns we have. Like, now we have a lot of guns. So they wouldn't dare come into black geographic enclaves and try to start any mess. But what they'll do is they'll catch us when we're jogging, won't they? Or they'll catch us um, when somebody says we have a phony $20 bill in a Minneapolis convenience store, won't they? Or... They'll catch us when we're isolated, like at the grocery store shopping, or they'll catch us in the basement of a church when we're playing, when we're praying. That is what the, I guess the reenactment of the civil war actually is. You don't go into black cities and just start randomly shooting at black people because we'll shoot back. You catch us when we're isolated, when we're powerless, when we're at the grocery store, we're in the basement of a church. When we're outnumbered by police, when we're surrounded by police cars, that is more how they do it. And that's been going on pretty much nonstop. But we don't recognize that as the next act in the American Civil War, because what do they say? Oh, no, that was a lone wolf. No, no, that was someone who was really, really depressed. But if it keeps happening consistently and we continue to make up excuses for people that are still committing acts of terror against black people, we won't recognize it nor internalize it as a race war. They're just much more covert. You can't send an army of white dudes from Waukesha to 27th and Burleigh. They wouldn't make it. They wouldn't make it to 25th and Burleigh. They get stomped out. But what they do is they allow us to be isolated when we're by ourselves. Frank Jude. You guys remember him? He went to a party. Him and one other black guy. They had him isolated. They tried to kill him. They didn't kill him. It was just him and one other black guy, probably 20 or 30 cops were there, right? They tried to kill him because he was isolated. So when we are isolated, that is when they inflict terror, but they will never come to the areas in which we live and try and start a riot. If anything, they'll use policy to harm us more than they would violence, overt violence anyway, because bad policy is violent too. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 FM. I'll be right back. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes returns after this on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. More of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. More simply put, who do you think defends black people? But where is our defense? It ain't the NAACP. It taint the Urban League, the national one, or any of the local chapters. They got a bunch of local chapters. Think about it for a second. What is what is defending black people? What is defending 
our right to exist. Like Israel, they always say the we have a right to exist. And they can defend their right to exist with what? A military. We ain't got no military. What defends black people? I want a real like answer to this because y'all seem to think that we we have some kind of protections in this country to where we can be the aggressors in a race war. I really hope we don't get that bright idea. We would get destroyed. All they got to do is cut off insulin in the black community. We're 10% of us would be dead in 10 days. What is the defender of black people? And once you have the answer to that question, it'll put modern America in a very easy to understand context. Think about what is defending us. And there is something. It may not look like it because we haven't fully bought into this thing that exists. That is our number one defense. It is our offense. It is our defense. Our progress flows through it. How high we can go, how high we can ascend exists within this thing. We actually do have a defense. The problem is not enough of us believe it. And other people know that this thing is our defense and there's two sides to that coin. So the people that know this thing that is our defense, that can help us, that can make us very powerful, that can make us very strong. There's some people like, hey, I want to participate in this thing that helps strengthen the black resolve. I want to participate in this thing that is the defense and the offense for black people. And there's even white people that say that. And then there's people that say, we know that this thing, this paradigm that exists, this ethos that exists in America is the offense and the defense for black people. Let's destroy it. It is the democracy itself. That is our defense. The civil rights legislation that recognizes us as human beings, that gives us the right to vote, that gives us open and fair housing, that outlaws discrimination. That is our defense. The democracy itself, the passing of laws and electing executives that execute those laws that are on the books that protect us and the courts. If we are aggrieved, if we have a grievance, we get to go to court. That's why you don't argue with the police officer. Let the cop do what the cop is going to do. They want to give you a ticket. Don't argue. Those people that don't understand the democracy want to argue with the cop and fight the cop. Those that understand the democracy as our defense, let's the cops say whatever the cops want. Let the cops say and be all these disrespectful things because you get to go to court because the courts are assigned by the democracy to protect the people against police officers that overstep their bounds. You understand that? But we as black folks don't thoroughly understand how this democracy is our defense mechanism. So when we don't participate in it, we are weakening the only defense that we have. The democracy is the only thing that gave an African-American man the nuclear codes of this nation. Obama couldn't have been that powerful no other way. Because here's the thing. You got black CEOs that are very, very wealthy, but they don't have power to make policy, do they? They can give a bunch of money to like nonprofits. They can do that kind of stuff, but they don't have power. Only the democracy is black people's defense and our offense. Now, some of you would say when Barack Obama was president, he didn't do enough. He did more than you think. He just did it in a way that was covert as not to send up alarm bells for those folks that know and understand that Barack Obama was the offense and the defense for black people because he got elected. Healthcare. 
That is how he allowed black folks to go on offense. Do you understand that y'all are dying by like unnecessary stuff? I got an article here. I used to think that the number one killer of black people was like table salt. It's not the police. It's not murder and homicide. No, it's just the complications from just having high blood pressure, renal failure, strokes, heart attacks, cardiovascular disease. There's a, there's actually something that is a bigger killer because the, the health complications of this thing is even worse than table salt. You know what it is? Sugar leads to the same negative health health outcomes times three than salt does. Now you combine the two and you have a reason why black mortality is what it is. But then when you look at what the Affordable Care Act did, it was for us. We black people were the most uninsured human beings in this country. The reason why universal health care, as other presidents have wanted it, members of Congress, the House and the Senate have stopped presidents from implementing universal health care because they didn't want black people to get it. Because they know that if they do nothing, if they don't go out and lynch us and if they don't kill us, our poor health outcomes would diminish our population. So they said, wait a minute, we can't have universal health care because then black people may live long enough to actually be powerful in our democracy. So nobody gets universal health care. But because white supremacy exists, the chances that a white person will get the job that offers the benefits is higher. We don't need to offer universal health care because white people, if they work hard enough and they apply their white privilege, they'll get a job and they'll get health care. But we're not going to offer it to everybody else. Obama was like, nope, we're going to give health care to black people so they can finally go on offense. Because if you are sick or in the hospital or in debt because you're sick and in the hospital, you are no good to your community. You are dead weight, literally. And so when I look at our sugar consumption, like our sugar consumption is like double digits higher than Caucasian people. And it kills us. You wonder why I complain about all these black businesses selling cakes and pies and having a sweet shop and a candy shop. So even when we go into business, the products that we are producing are actually helping to kill us. It's just it's something else. I'll tell you what. But no, the democracy is our defense. It is the only way. Somebody with a name, Barack Hussein Obama, his name should have disqualified him from being president. But it was only through the democracy that black people can get any kind of offense, defense or any semblance of power. The reason why it doesn't work all the time and universally is because our participation in it is spotty. We are the biggest threat when we vote. And so when we don't vote, that's just the same as us not going to the doctor, not getting health insurance and eating sugar. That's why they're trying to do so much to make it more difficult for us to vote. Closing our polling locations, scrubbing the voter rolls, requiring voter ID. You shouldn't have to prove yourself to the people that you want to elect. They are the ones that need to prove who they are to us. But there's all these little things that they are doing because they're trying to erode the democracy. And they used to do it covertly. Now Donald Trump is coming in saying, yeah, elect me and we're going to end it all together. That will be our only defense. The democracy is our only defense and he is threatening to upend it. But for some reason, we worried about Joe Biden and electric cars. So let's uh, actually no, let me take a break and come back and talk to Derek. Derek, you hang on and get your thoughts in order, Derek. We'll talk to you after the break. The truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back. Don't touch that dial. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. 
You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Let me try and catch up to some of these text messages. Y'all must have drank your Folgers this morning because y'all's thumbs is caffeinated. All right. Millicent, what happens to the counterculture if Trump is reelected? Depends on which one, Millicent. Ours will get recriminalized. Theirs will become normalized. Draco Vaughn says, please talk about Biden staying committed to gasoline engines and hybrids and his turn from the stupid green new con. Draco, just don't get an electric car, dude. It's it's literally that simple. Nobody's going to make you like no one's also going to make you eat healthy either. Right. Like they're going to suggest it. It's going to be offered to you. But just buy just buy a gasoline powered car. That's all you got to do. Draco says Trump is the nut is is the AI nut expose that aspect. Trump will be the electric car nut, not Biden. Biden's this is all from the same person. Biden's new auto ads supporting our normal everyday cars and trucks are the determining factor if he wins or not. Israel says Dr. Oz beef. Milisan says if the Supreme Court says presidents can, then Joe Biden gets to stay president. Joe Biden is not running for president to evade prosecution. Joe Biden does not want to stay president forever. I assure you of that. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Milisan says, I know, but if they say a president can do whatever, well, that's Joe. This will backfire. Milisan, where has Joe Biden expressed any interest in wanting to stay for more than than two terms, number one, number two, what crime has Joe Biden committed? Like, where is Joe Biden being prosecuted? If anything, the Republicans are doubling down on this whole Hunter Biden thing. You got to wonder why that is. How does prosecuting or going after Hunter Biden for anything? The president's junkie son, which is crazy because a bunch of y'all got junkies in your family. If you're not addicted yourself, it makes no sense. President Biden's son is a junkie. It's He's had a traumatic childhood. His brother, Bo, died of cancer. The, the boy likes dope. A lot of y'all do, too. The reason why the Republicans are doubling down on Hunter Biden is because Republicans don't make policy anymore. They don't make laws that move the country forward. They don't do any of that. So they got to focus on tabloid stuff. Let's go after the president's junkie son. Yeah, let's let's distract people. They're like their lives are getting worse. Their lives are more miserable. If y'all complain about inflation, Republicans ain't doing nothing about that either now. But I think we have resigned to the fact that the Republicans are not here to make policy. They're not here to offer their ideas, to have an exchange of ideas with Democrats, to come up with good policies that actually help the American people. They're only here to oppose a Democratic Party. That's it. People should be more infuriated about that than anything else. And we just fall for it. Dion says, I'm not talking about a race war. I'm starting, starting, stating, stating or starting, stating civil war. Well, we don't want a civil war because we lose. We don't produce anything. War is about production, ladies and gentlemen. The reason why we won World War II, really twofold, the United States is incredibly difficult to attack because of the oceans that protect our east and western borders. That helps the Pacific and the Atlantic. The closest they ever got, other than September 11th, which we'll discuss that another time, was Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor was 3,000 miles 
off of the coast of California. No one gets close to attacking the United States. But the reason why we were able to win World War II is because of production. Think about all the industry that we had in the United States in the 1940s. We were making everything, stoves, toasters, cars, trucks, anything anybody in the world needed for industry, we made it here. Why do you think black folks moved from the south to the north? Because of all of the production and the industry and the industrial jobs. That's why some of y'all still have this love affair with the olden days of Milwaukee when we used to manufacture stuff back when the black family was intact because black men had jobs working in the factories. Remember that? We were able to outproduce the rest of the world. So all of the companies that we had making cars and making refrigerators and toasters any kind of equipment that anybody needed to have any kind of a decent life, Americans made, okay? We then stopped production of those consumer goods and turned car factories into tank factories. And where we were producing heavy industrial equipment, we were making airplanes, we were making bombs, and we were making bullets. We had so much, like, industrial infrastructure that we were able to outproduce the rest of the world. So as we bombed Europe... Europe couldn't rebuild itself, but the United States could continue to crank out Sherman tanks and P-51 Mustang planes and bombs and more bombs and explosives and more bombs and cluster bombs and more bullets and more guns and more guns and more bullets because all of the infrastructure that we have to produce was turned into a war machine. Remember the pandemic? Of course you do. You had to wear a mask and you didn't like it. Remember when Ford said, hey, we'll step up and make ventilators. If your nation has a core of manufacturing, then you can produce and production is how you win war. Black folks can't be in a civil war. We literally make nothing. We make TikToks. Can't win a war with a TikTok. What are we going to do? Podcast our enemies to death? We don't produce anything. So I just want to like get that out of y'all's minds, even though it's very far-fetched. Oh, we're going to start a civil war. We would get crushed. You know who we would be? The Washington generals. And the people that would enact war against black people would be the Harlem Globetrotters. We'd be over here double dribbling and bouncing the ball off of our foot. Sweet Georgia Brown be playing in the background. We are not equipped for war. We are only good for killing one another. That's a war we can win when we kill each other. Let's talk to Derek. You're on 1017 The Truth. How are you? I'm doing well, Sharon. I just want to say that uh, I agree with so many things that you say, and I'll mention, which I, I said, think I said that to you before. When I mentioned you, you talked about a civil war, blacks and whites. But I remember, they, I remember I told you that they had the Colfax, Louisiana one. That's where blacks were. This, this happened in 1871 or 1872, right after the Civil War. And uh, it's, uh, what happened there is the blacks, they felt the whites felt the blacks were getting uppity. Anyway, they wound up getting to, uh, they're shooting guns at each other. Uh, both sides ran out of bullets. The whites ran down, back to the uh, arsenal, got some, uh, what, the militia and got some uh, bullets, came back there and they massacred, I think, 150 or 300 blacks. Okay. And uh, somebody was telling me, yeah, somebody was telling me about the, uh, when they talk about gun control, yes. white guy told me about 30 years ago, the only reason why they even had even gun control in this country, because once, once slavery ended, the whites were trying to keep the uh, blacks from getting guns, so they, they decided to come up with gun control. That's what he was telling me. 
It makes sense to me. I don't even know where there is any gun control, where there was any then or there, where there's gun control now. No, well, they were trying to, the first, he said the first time they even mentioned it oh. was that right after the Civil War, because they were trying to keep guns out of black people's hands. Well, they do that by saying if you're, they, if you're uh, a felon, you can't own a firearm. And then what you do is you just create more no, criminal codes. No, they were talking codes. about it right after the Civil War. Correct, but that's what gun control, to keep, right after, to keep guns out of the hands of black people is you... Right, right, right. Make it a felony, right? He give somebody a felony why and they can't the, have a gun. Uh, no, but I'm just talking about them. He said the first time that gun control was even mentioned was right after the Civil War because they, because uh, whites had all the guns. And, of course, they, the blacks didn't have any guns. And then uh, they brought it up. Uh, they want to get uh, gun control because they figured the, like, they didn't want to have a situation like uh, the blacks were uh, had guns. And I think the most terrifying thing for a lot of whites during that time period, I think that took Lincoln at some time to, uh, was iron the blacks because they said, well, these black people have guns. Who knows what they're going to do? Kill each other. And I may have to be a scary thud. We got more they guns now than we ever did then. And white people are of no threat. Like they're not threatened by us one bit. We got way more guns uh, now. No, they have, they, oh, they have, uh, they have guns. They have, uh, and also, they are, uh, we are, the thing about us is that a lot of us, some, some of the cities, they live in uh, isolated areas where you know where all the black people do with the, uh, you know, the blacks live in north, uh, north side of Milwaukee. You know, most of the black people in Chicago live in the south side or the west side of Chicago. You know, if you're in L.A., you know, most of the black people live in south central L.A. And so you know where all the black people are. So if something did break down like that, all you have to do is just go in there with your armies and your tanks, and you can wipe them out that way. For it's white people, they're spread throughout the whole country. Some of them live in the cities. Some live in the rural areas. And it would be much harder for them to be wiped out. Just, just my thinking. All right. Uh, I think Muhammad Ali was saying that uh, they were talking about a race war then when he was in the 1980s. He said all you, all you have to do is this. Uh, Come in there, and you would have to. All you have to do is just block off certain streets, and um, like you said, is uh, they, you could basically starve uh, blacks to death because then the, the, you wouldn't be delivering food, you wouldn't be delivering uh, um, medications, and um, also that's what Muhammad Ali was saying. But the whites, uh, like I said, they're uh, they're all over the place. They're like I said, they're in the rural areas, the country areas. They're in the uh, city areas, they're in the suburban areas. They're all over, so it'll be a lot harder for them to kill. We're, we're just so isolated in a lot of those cities I just mentioned. Okay. But uh, you're right about, and you said you mentioned you're right about democracy. That's one thing, good thing that that has. Uh, um, I mean, I think that I would think of Reconstruction, that was uh, one uh, where a lot of white people were just, they could not accept black people. This being uh, uh, um, uh, being in the same uh, spot or being as uh, here's this person who had been a slave, and they, there he is telling you to uh, uh, what you can do, what you can't do. And actually, a lot of times, the black people then after the Civil War, my understanding, a lot of them started the black. Uh, they started the uh, public uh, uh, schools in that after the Civil War. And they're the ones who started a lot of the things that they felt they needed, kind of like Obama did the health care. All right, Derek, can we kind of like 
kind of summarize a little bit. I'm, just, I'm not really sure where we're going here. We're just kind of on a ride. It's a nice ride. Don't get me wrong, but just let's kind of sum it up. Let's wrap it up with a bow. Well, on this, my point to you is that uh, they did try to. I keep on hearing people. Uh, I think they had eyes on the prize, and I think they're tonight. They're going to have here uh, the Black Panther thing. And uh, you remember them? Would they have the head guns and everything else like that? You yes. know how they got wiped out. Okay. All right. I mean, uh, they uh, they they were. Uh, I mean, the U.S. government went out. They were they were relentless with those guys. That's I correct. Mean, they were. Uh, I mean, Let's put a bow on it. We're I gonna, mean, they were. We're gonna wrap it up. Here we go. Let's put. Here's where we start tying the bow to wrap up our comments. All right. Here we go. Yeah, but I was just saying, I, I agree with you so many times about right. the democracy. Thank you. And uh, as far as that, that's uh, because when you had democracy, demo- the thing that kept the bl- things for being worse for black people at the Civil War was democracy. The black people had the right remaining. To yeah. Yeah. But that was that was really good, Sherwin. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, I appreciate your comments. Hope you appreciate mine. I do. I just tried to just try to guide the the conversation in a direction, and we we talked about Muhammad Ali and then the Black Panthers. That's what I was getting to. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. The democracy. When you were talking about democracy, yep, you you agreed that that's our defense. That's that we could have left it there. Could have left it. Yeah, but I was just but I was just saying that. Uh, I, I appreciate you allowing me to come on uh, the radio. Thank you. Thanks, dude. And uh, allow me to share my opinions. All right. That's, you got a lot of opinions, and you share all of them at once. We, I appreciate you very much, Derek. <laughs> all right, then. Uh, I appreciate you. Oh, I no, I appreciate you, you more. No, I love you more. Thank you, Sharon. All right, then, Derek. Take care. All right. Bye. Okay. You know what I mean? I, I'm so nice. I let he, I just try... To allow him to arrive somewhere, and he just—it's like he approaches the runway, and he's like, "No, I'm gonna go back up to ten thousand feet." And he circles back around, and he sees the runway, and he's making his descent down there. No, I'm gonna talk about the Black Panthers. And then he goes, and he cert, and he taxis, and he goes back around, and then he goes, and then, oh, he's got the landing gear down. He's gonna get very close, and he's gonna. No, I gotta talk about reconstruction. The truth was sure when Hughes will be right back. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes returns after this on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think that there are things that are happening under the surface that when you talk about them, they seem kind of far-fetched. So you know that we subsidize farmers. You guys know that. Farmers produce a lot of corn. They produce too much corn. They need to stop growing corn. But they can't stop growing corn because that's the only thing that they know how to grow. And so the government is like, okay, sell your corn on the market. And so we buy cans of corn, buy corn on the cob. You get a corn on the cob when you go to the fair. 
well, we don't really eat that much corn. I said, okay, we'll grow it as animal feed. Okay, fine, we'll feed it to the animal. We still have a whole bunch of corn. Well, let's make ethanol out of it and put it in the gas. But no, it might ruin car engines. Yeah, so what? Because then people have to get their cars repaired, and that's more money in the economy. So make it turn it into fuel. Okay, we'll turn it into fuel. And there's still growing corn and more corn and more corn and more corn. So let's let's turn it into sugar. High fructose corn syrup. But no, but we already have natural sugar and actually natural sugar like cane sugar and agave sugar. It's way healthier. It's why when people ate unhealthy in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, you look at pictures of people in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, and they ate like crap. Everybody was thin. Why is there so much obesity? Now, why is there so much type 2 diabetes? And why is it so incredibly prevalent in the black community? I come to find out that as African descended people, we naturally have a body chemistry that gives us a cardioprotective lipid profile. Now, I'm not getting into the details of it, but naturally how we are as black people. So it's not just the melanin that offers us protection within our actual genetic makeup. We have this cardioprotective lipid profile. Our bodies actually resist fats and cholesterol unless you do one thing. And this one thing that you introduce into the African-American diet, it has a more profound effect on us than it does the European because they have a different body chemistry as it relates to cardioprotective lipid profiles. You know how you destroy a cardioprotective lipid profile in someone descended from Africa? High fructose corn syrup. You will increase the prevalence of obesity, all the other associated health risks, and you will increase the prevalence of type 2 diabetes, which you see overwhelmingly African-Americans having the monopoly on. All you have to do is turn corn into sugar and introduce it in the diet and it will naturally erode protections that we have as black people. African-Americans consume significantly more sugar and high fructose corn syrup than whites. And it is estimated that one in six African-Americans are consuming more than 25 percent of their daily calories from added sugars compared to one in 11 white Americans. Gotcha. We will kill you with your food. In fact, you want to start a black business? Make pies. Make cakes. Make sweets. You will then turn your entrepreneurial endeavor into mechanized death for black people. It's amazing how it works. But how, because somebody, I think Dion might have brought up something about civil war and like, oh, the Haitians beat the French. Whenever a nation invades another nation, you're at a huge disadvantage, right? That's why the Native Americans were scalping a bunch of white men. Because when you invade someone's home country, you're at a major disadvantage unless you can perfect technology. It's why we lost Vietnam. We invaded somebody else's country. Right? That's par for the course. Invaders sometimes are at a tremendous disadvantage. So, no, we don't want a civil war. Take a break. Come back. Continue the conversation for hour three. The truth was sure when he was a be back shortly.